0: what are you doing? Like you quit your corporate job to start a kettle corn company. Like where's this going to go? So, but he still tried to stay optimistic because he saw that I was optimistic.
1: From the university of Alabama's Culpris College of Business, it's Bama Means Business a podcast that reveals amazing stories from those people who both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens, and the show today, Tanisha Sim Tanisha is a founder of Naughty But Nice Kettle Corn Company based in Birmingham, Alabama. In the first part of our two-part series, she covers why she started Naughty But Nice, as well as what growing up in Birmingham meant to her. Thank you for sitting down with us today, Tanisha.
0: I'm so happy to be here.
1: Well, we want to get this started... Could you just give us an introduction to yourself, how you ended up in Birmingham, Alabama of all places?
0: Yeah, so again, yeah, I'm Tanisha Sims Summers. I essentially um, have kind of lived my life in uh, Birmingham, um, between Birmingham, Norfolk and Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, At the age of 19, my mother gave birth to me, she was um, young. And my father, I believe, was 20 and um, they were two youngins and uh, they birthed me. My dad was transitioning from high school, making a career path for himself in the uh, military. And um, I'm sure my mom had great aspirations for her own life. And um, once I um, was birthed, she, you know, through that process, it was hard for her to commit to being a young mom. Um, I believe based on the story I heard, her mother, um, you know, had been recently divorced, uh, married for 30 years with four children and um, was just not in a position to probably be as supportive of a young daughter with a young child. And so as a result... um, she decided to pursue giving me up for adoption. And so with that, um, you know, people, uh, my family makes a joke. They're like, yeah, there was a cute little white family waiting on you and everything. And I said, oh, well, how sweet. I would have had such a diverse background. But um, through my life's path, I've been able to experience all kinds of people. And I have a I've grown to have a great appreciation for um diversity and differences. And so um with that I essentially became the village child. And so for me being the village child, there has been so much value that I look back on and I see the value in that, in my business and in my personal life. Um, But growing up, it, of course, wasn't that easy. So um, my aunt practically raised me in Virginia. My dad was stationed there. And um, while he was out to sea, he had to actually come back. So I say, okay, does anybody know a real superhero? I do, because um, at 20, that took a lot of bravery for my dad to kind of step up and say, no, I'm not going to let her go for adoption. I'm going to uh, take that responsibility. So with the support of his mom and um, dad, which are my grandparents, who I absolutely adore, and my aunt, who is like um, my grand tea is what my children call them. And I call her my mama T um, just because she's really was like my mom without having to birth me. And so um, that is how I kind of shifted from Birmingham to Virginia. Um, like I said, I'm literally the village child. And so I have um, I initially did not want to be in Birmingham. As I traveled through, um, I moved back here in um, high school, attended John Carroll, always basically have been in Catholic schools my whole life, with the exception of a couple of years I um, attended public school. And um, when I came back to Birmingham, it was like, you know, Birmingham. I, I I just, I cannot stay here. This is not the place for me. I want to get out of here. Um, and as soon as I graduate high school, I'm giving Birmingham the deuces. So <laughs> I thought I was going to be um, a Howard alum and um, that never actually transpired. But I uh, started at Montevallo, finished my marketing and Spanish degree at UAB. And um, I ended up getting pregnant my last year of college. And so that uh, that transition in my life kind of rooted me to Birmingham because my family was here. I believed in the um, idea of um, the village child and community. And so I just felt, you know, with my support system, it would be best to just see how far I can get in my career path. And um, and then I started growing my family and my career, and ultimately became an entrepreneur. So here I am, Birmingham, Alabama.
1: Wow. So I think that's a very unique story. Obviously, traveling, not traveling, but growing up in different places, having family members help raise you as being an integral part of being a child, wanting to have that constant home life definitely must have shaped you to who you are. One question I like asking people is, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert?
0: Ooh. That depends on the day. Um I think naturally I can have a conversation and um build a relationship with anyone. I've always just innately been good at that. Um throughout my whole just life, um no matter what school situation I was in, I always found myself just being able to like make friends or People would just randomly open up to me or tell me their secrets. And I think I make people feel a level of comfort, but I do have those moments where I can be introverted. And I think it's really when I want to be at a place of peace and retrospect and, you know, just looking inward. And so I'm okay. I could like sit in a room by myself and be okay. I don't get to do that much often because, you know, when you're a mom, a half of the time and a wife, I have five people trying to talk to me at one time, but, um, I don't know. I think it it would be a split on that one.
1: Gotcha. following the trajectory, you go from high school, you graduate from UAB. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Where was your next step? Where did you want to go with your life and what drew you to your future?
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so crazy, but, um, in high school, I remember the first time I saw the movie Boomerang, okay, with Eddie Murphy in it, okay. (laughs) You know, so if you were like an '80s baby, like Boomerang was everything. So, the great thing that I liked about that movie, I liked um, Robin Givens. She she would she was a professional, strong woman, um, but they worked in the marketing. Realm, right. She was a marketing director and they would um, kind of manage portfolios for various companies. And in the story, the plot was they were working on this infamous um, perfume brand. And I just that 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 movie just it really just connected to me. I like the creativity part of it. I like the business part of it. So I thought I would like graduate high school, go to college and study um. Uh, marketing and be able to work for like a big marketing agency. Um, But throughout college, you know, I modeled a little bit. So I thought I could, you know, maybe make it in modeling. I tried out for America's Next Top Model twice. I didn't make it, but I enjoyed the experience. Um, The last time I did it, I went to Texas to try to audition. And then um, I even considered accounting because I had just, just this, A business connection. I I connected to being involved in business, having a business, working in a business, but I enjoyed the creativity side too. So I could never figure out how to mirror, like make those kind of mesh. Um, Ultimately, I always knew I may have wanted to become an entrepreneur. And so when I graduated college, well, I guess high school, right? When I graduated high school, I said, I'm just going to study marketing. I mean, I enjoyed the movie Boomerang. <laughs> it seems like something fun. And then because I just enjoyed diversity, Spanish to me was um something that I thought I would enjoy learning about that culture.
1: So you find a, a passion in marketing. How did you approach your professional career after college with that goal in mind of wanting to be in some kind of marketing position or marketing realm?
0: Yeah. So I mean, so initially I left I so, back it up a little bit. So in college, I interned at Enterprise Rent a Car for a couple of years. Okay, um, that internship was pivotal because I was able to essentially move through the different dynamics of that company, and you know, so marketing is a compilation of sales and marketing. You have the you know quantitative part of it. You have the creative side you have the sales side. So there are a lot of different components when you think about um, marketing. I don't think I mentioned at one point, I thought I could even be a psychologist. And I think that's what ties me to marketing because so much of it is how people think, right? How you engage them to think and how they connect to brands. How do they make buying decisions? Why do they, um, you know, eat a certain type of cereal or, you know, bank at a certain place. and so marketing um, when I got into that field, I didn't really get into it into my career until the second half of my career. The first half, I was in the investment banking space. and um you know being a minority uh, a you know a, a minority and not having a lot of access to you know successful generational businesses. I learned so much about a lot of disparities that were happening in the investment banking space. Um, a lot of a, a lot of pieces that tie into a successful business is going to be in two major areas. Right. And that is knowing your numbers. And it's how you're marketing your business, understanding who your customers are and how to speak to them. And a lot of times, my a lot of the minority businesses I helped, it was hard for them to have the resources to do that, um, well. And so, um, when I got into the marketing career, it was just like the light bulb came on, you know, it's like, okay, um, this is how I can help people. And, um, I really just enjoyed that. I enjoyed helping people to tell their stories. And, um, that is really how I transitioned from like the investment banking space over to the marketing space.
1: Talking about transitions, Mm -hmm. obviously, having children has a a big burden, especially on a family when you're trying to raise everyone. It takes a lot of time to do it. It's a lot of effort, energy. How was it working as a professional and having children at the same time? Because nowadays, I see it as an amazing act, but also, how did you find yourself balancing it, and what was it like for yourself?
0: So I am a big proponent and. Um I, I support women in careers and in entrepreneurship um because so many times society makes us feel like we have to choose. You know, it's like, okay, I can't be a successful you know executive, you know, if I have children, and obviously legally, you can't hire or fire someone based on those things, but it's in your subconscious thought you know, you automatically wonder if a woman is too emotional or she's too attached to her family and how can she juggle all of it? Um, Like I said, being a mom at 22, for me, it was a matter of staying focused on my goal, but understanding that I'm a mom first and I don't have to choose Either or. I can find a way to incorporate my child. So literally um, my last year of college and while I was interning at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, I would take my baby in his stroller on the weekends that I was scheduled to work. And just by the grace of God, my staff was my team. They were so supportive of that. They really welcomed me having a child my professors, my Spanish professor, Balita Faki. Okay. I will never forget her. She literally would come to my apartment, make sure I had my Spanish work done. So I'm a big proponent of like the law of attraction. I think sometimes it's just a matter of you internally believing that there are no barriers and you can do it and you have to own where you are. And as a woman, You know, even now, um, my children are outside of this door. Okay. Um, last week I had um, I had a a meeting, a marketing meeting. My five year old and my 17 year old were there. Um, I've been intentional with that because I've seen it done in in countries like um, Germany. They really advocate for the woman. Right. So if you become pregnant and have a child in Germany, you get maternity leave for a whole year the men can be off just as long too. And so I do think that in a capitalistic society, um, you should not feel you have to choose family over career. I think they all work and mesh together because your children are constantly learning. And of course you got to teach them to be well-behaved. But um, at the end of the day, women should not have to choose. We shouldn't. Um, we are naturally multitaskers <laughs> sometimes to a fault, right? Because everybody then thinks you're superwoman and oh, you can do it all. But um if you understand that you know, your priority is you are a steward over these children's lives and everything that you're doing is an opportunity to teach them, then um what you do can come a little bit more seamless. Not to mention, like I mentioned earlier, you know, being um, put up for adoption. And although I grew up in an abundance of love, right, I had everything that probably someone would have in a nucleus home. But still, as a child, you always question, like, why didn't I get to grow up with my mom? You know, where is she? What is she doing? Why? You know, Um, and so for me, it was just like, no, that's not an option. I never would want my children to feel um, some of those feelings I felt, just that question of, you know, where do my parents stand? So so for me, that has really helped to keep a perspective and growing a career and balancing um, with just making sure my children are involved and um, a part of this every step of the way.
1: Having a significant partner in life or a significant other, that being a husband, wife, is key for sustainability, especially with a family, creating that nucleus, like you said. Mm -hmm. Do you mind sharing the story with your husband, how you met him and (laughs) how you guys make it work (laughs) in such a busy day and age?
0: Yeah, so Clem actually is... He's an Alabama alum as well.
1: Roll Tide.
0: Roll Tide, you know, is what he would say. But I'm going to say go Blazers, okay? okay. I'm gonna, I got to give Blazers some props, you know, but, you know, Roll Tide. Um, so I have a, um, a strong Roll Tide husband. Um, I literally met, well, so I knew him from college, okay? This is so crazy. My high school sweetheart was cool with my husband now, right? I think I met him like once. We still debate on who if he really remembered me when he saw me again like, "Oh, there she is." But um I had totaled my car. I remember it was a day in January. It was cold and rainy. Mm. I had an appointment because I had totaled my car and he was in sales at Enterprise Rental Car. So my son and I after I left work, um, went to the appointment. So the guy who was scheduled to be there, his name is Chris, um, and rest his soul, he's not alive any longer. But um, Clem was there instead. And I said, where is the guy who's supposed to be selling me the car? See, he's not even serious about this. I'm I'm leaving. So Clem and his, if you know Clem, he's, he's a salesman at heart. He said, I can help you. I'm glad to help you. So he went trying to take me around, looking at the cars. I wanted a Camry and- I wanted one with a moonroof. He said, well, I have a Camry outside. It doesn't have a moonroof, but we can cut one in it for you. And I said, uh, no, I want one that the manufacturer has put in there. So we're going back and forth. Eventually, he asked for my phone number. And I'm like, OK, sure. So he he really gravitated to my son, though. And so the irony of it, you know, Clem was married before and his son was four at the time. So both of our sons are like four months apart. So that really helped in our dating life. And so moving forward, I always told him, I said, I want to pursue entrepreneurship. Um, If we start having children, I plan to exit corporate America. I want my children to be my main focus. And it was a little scary for him at first. Like, you know, you're used to two household incomes. You're used to the comfort of a corporate job and the benefits and everything that comes with it. But I felt I had a greater purpose. Um which is really um, focusing on social issues. And I felt I could really speak to those if I had a company that was socially responsible. So um, last year in the pandemic, uh, literally two days after his corporate job ended, right? So we've had this business since 2014, And he's practically worked most of that time, just supporting me through trying to help me figure out like, what are you doing? Like you quit your corporate job to start a kettle corn company. Like where's this going to go? So, but he still tried to stay optimistic because he saw that I was optimistic. And so um, essentially we really have to figure it out. It's something you're figuring out every single day. It is not easy um, You have to really be intentional because you can start drowning in everything you talk about is the business and the numbers and the product and did the customer get this? And so um, we've grown very slowly and organically, and I try to make sure we limit our hours. I try to make sure that we aren't overwhelming ourselves and we're really thinking through our business model so we can get the right people on our team. And that our kids can have fun with this and they don't end up resenting us for something that we did to benefit them and the community in the long run. So it's a constant work in progress. I mean, you know, we we've had a counselor. We've we try to just communicate and we just try to revisit, like, what is our purpose of doing this? So um, (laughs) it's not easy. That's what I'll tell anybody. But you have to stay prayed up. You have to communicate. You have to constantly be self-aware because sometimes we want to project things on other people and we have to always be looking and asking ourselves, are we being who we need to be?
1: Gotcha. The company that you started was naughty, but nice Calicoron company. Mm -hmm. Could you explain the original inspiration behind it? Sort of like what caught your attention and what eventually pulled you away from a career and starting a, you know, a small business that you really had no confidence it was going to work or not.
0: Absolutely. Mm. So I'm going to go back to Janice Noel, my aunt um, in Virginia who raised me, you know, popcorn and kettle corn is very popular up north, right? Like in the southeast and the Midwest, it's like a staple in their home. It's like having milk to cereal, right? Like you have to have, you know, some type of popcorn in the, in the, in the, um, in the cabinet. So I remember her telling me the summer of 2014 when I had just had my baby, still nursing, still um, just trying to figure out, do I want to go back to corporate America after I get off of maternity leave? And she started telling me, she was like, you know, I'm I'm working with a friend. She has a kettle corn company and people are spending money. I mean, the lines are long. They're traveling from everywhere to get this kettle corn. And I said, "What, what is kettle corn? So they had one particular event and- they yielded maybe $14,000 at this event on Kettlehorn. Oh, yeah. Wow. It was like at a fair or something. And I was like, for what? You know how I, I had to work like two months, two and a half months to make that. And I said, wow, that, that sounds good. So the person she was working with had quit her corporate job and she was a single mom of two kids recently divorced. And it just seemed like it was something fun to do. And so I started researching, looking at the numbers, um, looking at, well, what are the options in the city? You know, where can I go and try some kettle corn? And it was so hard to find it. And um, at that moment, I just felt convicted. I said, you know, I can couple everything I'm passionate about, right? Civil civil rights, which I feel um, really just addresses a lot of disparities in healthcare and um, finances, in the business world of entrepreneurship between in minority communities, right? I said, a business can allow me to do this and people will focus on the kettle corn. They're not going to really, you know, initially feel the pressure of the other things that we need to talk about, right? The kettle corn is the catalyst. And so I started researching and so many people really loved kettle corn. So I said, you know what? we're going to try it. And, um, I started, I had already started an LLC seven years prior. And so, um, I just really reformulated the company and I just went for it. So we, we bought equipment, um, and I was partnered with my best friend at the time, but we bought equipment. We start, we went to our first event. I spent all summer trying to book little local events and festivals. Our first one was the, um, Fried Green Tomato Fest in Irondale, (laughs) Alabama. And we made about $800, you know, in the span of maybe eight hours. So not too bad, right? For our first event, nobody really knew us. And um, I just felt kettle corn was the thing. It was fun. It was tasty. And I said, this can really, we can make some lives pop this way. So let's get popping. Let's do this. And it's just been a hit ever since then.
1: That's Tanisha Simsummers summers from the Naughty But Nice Kettle Corn Company. Please join us in the second part of this conversation next week, in which we cover what Naughty But Nice Kettle Corn Company's mission and values are and what they see in the future of business here in Alabama. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, do subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And of course, check out our website at culverhouse.ua.edu to learn more about the Culverhouse College business and what it has to offer. And as always, Roll Tide.